Hey there, WNBA Nation fans. This is Jason. Before we get going, I just wanted to jump on mic and ask if you could take a minute and consider nominating us on podcastawards.com. Uh, we're honored to even be under consideration. If you go to podcastawards.com, uh, you sign up with your email. Uh, trust me, I, I signed up a few weeks ago and I haven't gotten any spam from it, so they're not going to just like blast you with spam. But I went through, uh, signed up with my email and nominated our show. And in doing so, you can see we're in the sports category. We're also, I believe, in the best shows category. So if you go in there, you pull up the little drop down, you gotta scroll all the way down because W's at the end. But if you could take a few minutes, go to podcastawards.com and nominate us. Uh, we think that would go a huge way in getting some, some buzz going about the WNBA and the coverage of the WNBA. Um, and honestly, it's just a great honor. So if you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate you doing that. Again, go to podcastawards.com and, uh, we appreciate your time. Enjoy the show. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collin. What up guys, this is Epic Sarkis. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, what's up and welcome to another episode. Uh, I have some very good news for all of you listeners today. And that's because I'm joined by not one, not two, but all three of my best friend hosts. Let's go around the horn here, starting with Steve. Steve, it's good to have you on the show. What's up, man? Yes, we got the gurgle. We got the gurgle in. And it, oh, oh, wow. We are and not it, cutting this, by accomplished, the way. Accomplished nothing. It accomplished. Oh, wow. I can't even get the joke in. I'm doing great, Kyle. How are you? So glad to be here. That was amazing. I didn't realize that if you gurgled down the wrong tube, you aged like 40 years. <laughs> well, well, cut none of that. Hi, I'm, Kyle. I'm glad, glad to be on the show. Okay. I'm terrified to introduce Logan and Jason one at a time now because that went so poorly. <laughs> I just, I value sure their lives did. and I, I don't want them to choke. So Logan, Jason, how are you guys? Welcome also to what's the show. I'm just going to play, play super, super safe, safe and say what's up. up. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Jason has marked himself safe on Facebook from Gurgles. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's good. Hey, oh. we are excited. It's, uh, we've had, we've got all four of us on the show for the first time in quite a while, which is really exciting. We're, we're also streaming live here on our Twitch stream. Uh, in fact, we just, received the new subscriber as I was saying that. So shout out to uh S L A U eighty six. Appreciate you uh you. subscribing with your uh with your Amazon Prime subscription. Just a reminder to the rest of you who are listening, if you have Amazon Prime, you can actually subscribe for free every single month to our Twitch channel and at no cost to you. It gives a little bit of monetary kickback to us so you can support our show for absolutely free, which we really like to do is give you opportunities to do that for free. So make sure you check out, check us out on Twitch before we get rolling too much further. Um, Steve, you want to give everybody the rundown on where they can find us uh, outside of Twitch? If I physically can, let's do this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, um, 
Of course, you can find us on social over at Twitter at uh, WMEA Nation Pod, similar over at Facebook. Uh, if you're listening to us on the pod feed, you've already found it, but you can check us out pretty much anywhere that you find your podcasts. Uh, and if you want to get some ad- added experience, check us out on the Twitch on our live stream. Uh, we do these twice a week, if not more. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, we can definitely keep you in tune to when we're going up live. Great way to get some bonus content and also just to really get to know each of us as hosts. We really enjoy getting to know our listeners on a closer basis. You can check us out at, at our Store Envy page as well. Check out some fantastic merch. We've got some new designs going, like our, I guess we're calling it the Andy Warhol collection, but we got our team uh, specific logo color material coming out. Uh, we've also got some wallpapers that are going to be coming up if you want to throw some love and flair onto your cell phones, your cellular telephones, your Motorola's, your Nokia's and the like. Uh, uh, we've been shooting those out on the Twitter page as well. So a lot of cool stuff going on. I think I covered most everything. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the gist of it. Awesome. Love it. So a uh, couple of, of I want to start with some good news before we hop into the actual meat of our episode here. And I just want to give a shout out to Sue Bird for being announced as one of the flag bearers Woo. for Team USA in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, which is pretty awesome. It, she's actually only the second women's basketball player to do so. The first quiz time. Do any of the three of you know who the first U.S. women's uh, basketball player was to be the other flag bearer? Mm. Uh, Pam McGee. Ooh, good, good guess. We've got quite, we've got Lisa Leslie going in the chat. I feel like I feel like it definitely was a USC grad. Could so yeah, Les, Lisa, Lisa Leslie, Cheryl Miller, Pam McGee. Those are the three names. Cynthia Cooper. Um, it was actually the coach of this year's current team, Don Staley, who was oh. the other flag bearer. Yes. So that was kind of kind of a fun kind of a fun. Um, a fun little uh, trivia nugget there for you. I looked that up earlier, so don't feel like I knew that off the top of my head, but I, I did look that up earlier. I'm so. going to give you credit for it. That's, I'm going to do that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm so, going to yeah. naturally assume that you did know that, yeah. <laughs> Just off the top of my head. Oh, I remember back in the day. No. But, yeah, it's uh, so so huge shout-out to, to Sue Bird, um, her fifth Olympic uh, showing, and she's now a flag bearer for Team USA, which is really cool. Um, and so a, a pretty significant um, honor, you know, considering these are the best athletes from all over the country. Um, do you feel like this is a uh, is is this um, a, a pretty significant uh, jump in maybe some potential eyes on the women's team as we head into the Olympics? Do you think this could give a, an additional bump there? I will say that in all the Olympics I've watched in my life, which is starting to be a lot of Olympics now as I get older. I don't know that I've ever been like, oh, that person's carrying the flag. I'm going to watch that sport. So, like, I just don't know that it's going to drive people towards it. Mm. Um, obviously, she's going to get 30 seconds of screen time as the camera zooms in. And then the announcer is going to say, that's Bird. This is her fifth Olympics. Da, 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 da. And they'll give a little background. I just don't know that it's going to drive that much stuff. Really, I the reason I like the story is just because it's an honor that I think Bird deserves. And I want her to have that. Um, I don't know how much of a driver it's going to be personally. I, I'd say it's probably not going to be a huge driver of, of engagement in terms of the sport of women's basketball. Right. Yeah. It's gotcha. really, really quick. I'll, I'll co-side, I'll just co-side Jason really quick. Cause I basically is exactly my sentiment. Like unless you've been a shirtless Tongan 
you really haven't gotten more than you said 30 seconds. I was thinking like five seconds of screen time yeah. as the flag bearer. I think if anything, it really stands as um, kind of a cool symbolism of where women's basketball is now. And to say that I think mm-hmm. this is a cool acknowledgement of where it's grown because we're putting uh, someone like Subert at the forefront in that way. I will say um, it is, I know it's paired because there is also Eddie Alvarez um, I right. don't know if they traditionally do a men's and women's every Olympics or I always thought there was just one flag bearer per country, but I don't know. Uh, but, but um, I, I didn't necessarily think of it as necessarily needle mover, to be honest. I just, it was a cool thing to see. I was, I was excited about it. Awesome. Logan, your thoughts. Uh, maybe it doesn't move the needle specifically in terms of like, like a direct impact on viewership, but I think it is really important. And I know all you do, all you guys do as well. Like, the idea of little girls getting to watch somebody on TV and somebody that has like this gravity, like this superstardom that it's like, Oh, they're everywhere. They're on ESPN. They're, they're raising the 12th man flag at Seahawks games. They're holding the, the torch at the Olympics. Like, I think the more you see Sue bird, the more it influences future generations of girls to play basketball. Right. And so like, it's kind of an immeasurable thing, but I think every little additional thing you can do to get, today's stars in the spotlight just like provides more momentum down the line. So I, I enjoy anything like that just because I think it, it says something when you put someone like Sue Bird in front of the country as like, Hey, this is our face of the Olympics this year. Like that's a big deal. Yeah. Let's head into uh, the meat and potatoes of what we came here to talk about today. Guys, we are technically a little over the halfway point in our uh, WNBA season. Most teams have played over half of their games, um, but this is as good a time as any um, during this long break to sit down, um, do a little bit of research, do uh, some reflection on this first half of the season. And make our selections for who we believe should win the season awards based on what we've seen thus far in the season. So for those of you listening at home, we are going to be covering six different awards today. We're going to go MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Woman of the Year, and Most Improved Player of the Year. So... Those are the six awards that we're going to be running through, um, and uh, and just kind of going right down the right down the the lane here. Um, generally, we've always kind of done these in the same order, and I don't know if uh, my other three hosts know that exact order, but I'll just let them know right now. It's going to go Steve, then myself, then Logan, and then Jason. Um, as far as our picks go for each of these awards. And uh, I'm excited. So as we go through these again, this is not our predictions necessarily. We c- we could very well have a different prediction of who will win this award. This is just more to say at this point in the season, this is who is in the lead or this is who we would award. This is who we would probably give this award to if the season were to to end here today. So I, I hate that you have to make that clarification, but you know, if we don't, People are going to be in the in the comments. Like, <laughs> There's still a lot of games left. There's a lot like, of games left. You you didn't you totally disregarded so and so. And it's like we yeah well, they sat out ninety percent of the season so far. So, um, but <laughs> anyway, but that's that's kind of where we wanted to go with this. Um, just to let all of you know, uh, kind of where we sit. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty much where we're going to be. Let's go ahead and start with our official picks. 
Um, we're going to start with the category, uh, the big dog, the main one. We're going to start with MVP. Steve, let's start with you. Who do you have for the most valuable player at this point in the season? I suppose it's, it's for me, it's simple. And I guess for me, maybe this feels like cheating in a way. But if I correct you, do we have who our preseason predictions were? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually, yeah, that's a, that's a great call. I'll go ahead and read those out before each of these. So prior to the season starting at MVP, uh, Steve picked Bree Stewart. I had Asia Wilson. Logan also had Bree Stewart and Jason also had Asia Wilson. So we had two of us going with Stewie, two of us going with Asia. Uh, so that's where we were at the start of the season. I, they're, they're, uh, everyone else's takes maybe similar to mine. I, I don't know. Basically what it came down to with me and I wanted to confirm this and not sound like an idiot. And someone comes back and says, Steve, you said this wrong, but my preseason prediction was Bree Stewart and I just haven't seen any evidence to change it. And so right now I still stand pretty strongly that I think Bree Stewart's playing at an MVP level. She's uh, top three in scoring. I believe she's um, top uh, 10 in rebounds. I may be off on rebounds, actually, but she's top five in rebounds um, and is, I think, pound for pound, the most pivotal player on her team, on the best team in the league right now, as far as standings would consider. Mm. And so I feel pretty confidently in saying that they think the other side of it comes down to when you look at some of the other main arguments, Asia, you could probably easily convince me. Um, it, you know, that's a very easy discussion to, to turn me around on. I understand that side of things. Uh, the, I think the other argument would probably be John Quell Jones. The one thing I will say, there was a six to seven game stretch where John Quell was not on the roster and the sun didn't really seem to miss much of a step. Now, that's not me dogging on John Quell Jones by any stretch. She's played at a phenomenal level. And if you have like, if, if she's your MVP vote, you have that right. And I would support it. Uh, but I look at that Sun roster and I go, I think there are other names that kind of bowie that up a little bit more than some of Vegas's and Seattle stars would bowie up their MVP hopefuls in a way. Uh, so right now it's, it's, I, I don't have any reason to take Brie off that pedestal yet. So that's my vote as per this moment. Gotcha. All right. Uh, any thoughts on that from uh, Logan or Jason? I, yeah, I, it's not who I have picked, but it, it feels like, by the end of the year, I think it's going to end up being Bree, and it could easily be Bree right now. Um, it's very close. I, I think there's a handful of names that everybody's going to have right now. And what Bree does on the floor, like she does so consistently that I think people maybe miss how great it is. Mm -hmm. And and I worry that because it's like, oh, well, this isn't like a special season for her that people forget. Like a regular season for her is one of the two or three best seasons in the in the W every single year. So. Right. Yeah. No, and I, I'll have my take here in a minute, but I think Steve's take makes a lot of sense. I think it, a lot of it comes down to how you define MVP. I feel like there's really, for me, there's three people that are heavily in this conversation. Um, and I think we all have them as our top three. That being said, depending on how I defined MVP, I think I could talk any one of those three into winning the award. So it's, it, it's a close race. Yeah, I think really quick to Logan's point, I, I I do understand that sentiment. I feel like that sentiment doesn't carry, doesn't tend to historically carry as much weight with the WNBA's MVP award, only to say it's really kind of typically just come down to, if you go back about the last seven or eight years, it's pretty much been who's the best player on the top-ranked team, team, at very yeah, worst, yeah. the second-ranked team. 
And so I feel like at this point, people are looking at that. I also think Brie has that narrative of a lot of people think she definitely should have had it last year. And so it's almost like, did those same votes give her a solid this year? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. like I could have easily done it. So I'll just do it this year. And, and it almost makes it even, which sounds funny. <laughs> um, but it's fun. It's fun that these two are constantly in the fight though. Yeah. I, I yeah. Think it's awesome. I hope that this, I hope that this stays put for a while. Absolutely. Um, so I've got my pick for, for this and I had this down, uh, prior to, to Steve's take. Um, I, I agree with Steve in the fact that I think that there's, there's a, a lot of arguments to be made for Bree Stewart, but if I were to award the award today, I would probably give it to Jonquel Jones. She's second in the league in points, first in the league by rebounds, and she's first by over one rebound per game. So she's putting up big numbers. She's doing a ton of, uh, she's, she's done doing a ton with that Connecticut Sun team and Connecticut, I feel like is kind of overachieving from what a lot of people had them, uh, picked at the beginning of the season. Um, I think John Quill's a, a big portion of that. And then, you know, uh, I, I, the one hesitation I do on John Quill is exactly what Steve said is that when she wasn't on the court, Connecticut kept winning, um, and, and has done very well even without her. And, uh, now we, we don't necessarily have that same, um, data point for Seattle or Las Vegas. We don't know how either of those teams would have done without Brie or Asia on the court. Um, so that's hard to tell. But at this point, I feel like John Quill's putting up the numbers and, sh- and Connecticut's in that top echelon of teams in those top three teams that, uh, I think is, is well deserving of an MVP nod. But it's very close. I will say that. I, um, I, I definitely have a, a lot of looks at uh, Stewie at Asia, um, and if if Washington was in the top three, I think Tina Charles is definitely right there, and, and probably would have been my pick. If if Washington was in Connecticut's position, I could have easily picked uh, Tina Charles over over John Quell. So that's there's there's my picks. Uh, yeah, any any thoughts or t- I know we kind of got a lot of our takes out on 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 Steve's take, but any other thoughts as far as that goes? Yeah, Jones is another one of those names that if if someone is feeling really confident that John Quill Jones is their pick right now, if you know, I've been kind of arguing that Bree's been overlooked a lot of the season and I think Steve made all the right points, um, but I I don't think I could argue against John Quill Jones pretty convincingly aside from, um, and this kind of bleeds into my next take anyway, but no MVP has ever missed five games. Right. Um, and, and she missed five games with Euro ball. So that, yep. I think that hurts. That's my, yeah. And that is my one hesitation and acknowledging that. Yeah. But I, I, I still feel like there's, there's enough there for me to, to probably give that nod at this point, but we'll see again. This is maybe who it is right now. I, I, I don't know if I would predict John Quill to win at the end of the year. So Logan, let's move into your take. Who do you got? Uh, well, I was, this was tough. Uh, obviously I, there are some tough ones and some easy ones we're going to cover today. And this is one of the tough ones. And I thought I felt good about picking John Quill Jones until Steve gave his opinion on Bree Stewart. And now I'm questioning myself, but I won't <laughs> tilt for now. Um, I, I think by a hair, I can give it to Jones um, just because I, I've so long I've waited for the Connecticut Sun to have a player that they can trust with the ball when they need a bucket when things aren't going right, um, and I I'm so excited to have seen that player kind of emerge 
in Connecticut as like, all right, this is John Cole Jones's team. They've got an amazing supporting cast. They didn't miss a step in those five games where she stepped away. Like, I do think that hurts her case a lot, but it's, it's felt like she kind of defined the first half of the season in a lot of ways. And like it or not, the MVP a lot of times is kind of narrative driven. Although a lot of times it will end up being best player, best team by the end of the year. So for now I have it as John Cole Jones. Um, she is ranked second in offensive rating and in defensive rating. She is one of just two players to rank in the top 10 in the league in both of those categories, which is pretty special. Um, so being able to do it on both ends of the floor and being the figurehead of one of this season's most surprising teams, um, I, I think has put her in that conversation. It's very fun for me to see the sun break into what I thought was going to be an indestructible top three of Seattle, Vegas, Chicago, and kind of replaced Chicago in that tier of like, these are contenders this year. I think John Cole Jones plays a big role in that. Gotcha. Jason. I, I mentioned in my take to, in my response to Steve's take that a lot of it comes down to how you define it. My, my cynical view at the beginning of the year when I picked Asia Wilson is that I thought they were going to go best team sort by points, highest points on the best team. That's going to win it. I still have that view. And for that reason, my current award goer would be Brianna Stewart. Go to the best team, sort by points. It's Brianna Stewart. It's funny that you said that because I was looking back. That's actually only been the relevant determinant like two out of the last 10 years. Really? Oh, really? That uh, actually like the top, really the surprises top scorer, me. Yeah. It's like a, uh, like top five, uh, being a top five scorer feels like a must mm-hmm. when you look yeah. at the stats. But, uh, Bree, Bree was the last time in 2018 that the hmm. top scorer, like the, the scoring leader was the MVP. Um, mm-hmm. now keep in mind, like last year was Enrique Gumbawale. And so right, yeah. your take of, if you're the top scorer and your team happens to be the number one ranked team, it's really, that's a really hard argument yeah. to beat. Right. Um, so your take, I think, still stands. And that's where I think Breeze makes, you know, a lot of sense. And like, if you were number one in scoring, that makes a lot of sense. And it's also, it unfortunately, like, it adds to my argument with, uh, with the junk wall thing. But yeah, I totally yeah. see what you're saying there. Because no. your argument makes tons of sense. I, I totally would co sign it until I look back and I went, interesting. It actually happens a lot less than you would figure, but mm-hmm. they're usually in the top five scoring and it's usually within like 0. 0.6 points per game. Right. So yeah. it's, they're definitely in the elite. They're in the elite box of scorers. Sure. Yeah. What we're saying is that the voters don't watch defense. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's for days. No, totally. that's, that's why there's a defensive, that's why there's a defensive player of the year award. Um, I don't watch defense I, for that I, either. I, I will say, um, I, I, this is just a little thing of mine. I always wished that at some level we put value into most valuable player in that what you're getting paid gets factored into it because let's be honest, nobody's getting more basketball per dollar than Asia Wilson. Asia Wilson. She's, she's, yeah, yeah, she's the most valuable player. If you think about what the aces are paying for her compared to what she's putting on the court, she's the most valuable because her salary is 70,000 a year right now. Yeah. That's interesting. It just comes down to what the word valuable means to you because. That's why John Quell is pretty far down my list because mm-hmm. uh, her time away taught me, well, I don't know if her value uh, in getting the sun win wins is, is yeah. as high to me as you yeah. take Stewie away and they're an eight seed. Like, and so I Jason, think that's the one side of it. Yeah. Jason, to your point, Jason, if it was a front office award rather than kind of a media coaches fans mm-hmm. mix award, 
it would definitely be like, oh, like every team in the league would want to be paying Asia Wilson 70, 70 K more than any other. Yeah. You You might have a couple teams out there say like, I'd still rather have Stewie, but probably not a lot. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the fact that Stewie's making three times as much money. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 a a really interesting way to look at it. We'll have to get David Barry on to have that discussion soon. Uh, um, that would actually, be fun. The only, yeah, really the only two yeah. thoughts I, I only want to make two really quick thoughts because I don't want to take too much time on the MVP. I will say like, I, I guess for some reason, I don't know if this is a big hot take. I guess I don't understand why I'm the only one that seems to be not on with John Quell. I love John Quell and I love her game. I just don't have her really in the MVP discussion. Like I just don't see it. Maybe it's just like, maybe it's cause I don't have as much fun with analytics and I'm, just doing the eye test, but like right now I maybe would have her fourth. Like if we're talking about value points, I might put Candace over her and put Candace third. Um, and it's that, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we watched Chicago without Candace play terribly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the side of it. But I think the other part of it, and this is maybe nitpicky, I think it really comes down to like when it comes to Connecticut needing to take over a game, if I'm Kurt Miller, there's a part of me that would lean more toward Dewana Bonner right now than John Quell. What's funny is John Quell looks like she's significantly scoring more points per game than Dewana Bonner. If you look at points per game, they have the exact same amount of points on the season. Right. It's simply that Dewana's played more games. Yeah. And so Dewana it's had uh, five more games like to it's, do it. It's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's one of those, um, like, yes, John Quell's, played phenomenally well. Maybe it's just because I'm weighing the Connecticut thing. The other side of it, I like uh, what to Jason's point of like we should we should really accentuate value. I've been standing on this weird pedestal for years now. I want to abolish the term MVP from sports altogether. I'm so done and sick and tired of, but are they the most value? We have a defensive player of the year. We have a rookie of the year. We have a coach of the year. Let's just have a player of the year. Yeah, it should be player of the year. Like, let's just say who it's is already, the best player this year. It's already player of the week like, and player of the month. I don't know why yeah. it doesn't follow mm-hmm. I'm that I'm so pattern. done with this, like, weird existential semantics debate. We have to have this weird, like, like, uh, Lincoln versus Douglas set up every year when we have to pick an MVP. I just, I think this was the best play. Cause at that point you're going like, well, then Tina Charles enters the chat. Okay. Thank you. But, I, yeah. and, I was going to mention. Get, and then she gets to enter the chat. Like right. it's, and I want her yeah. to, but I can't quite do it right now because I look at the standings and I look at all these factors with Washington, but I'm like, but can I just be like, but she's kind of been the best player. Yeah. She, there's not been a, a, a Washington game. Where she hasn't been the one to watch. And I'm like, I want to have that discussion. I was going to bring up Charles because I could feel Mystics fans going crazy during the last five minutes of the show because they're like, talk about our, you know, our player. And she, like, Tia Charles has been spectacular. And that's, I, the, the, the lens that I look through MVP through is, does, is your player helping your team be a contender? And right now I don't think the Mystics are a contender. But if your definition of MVP is more like what Jason was saying, like, or, or what you were saying, like, if you pluck Stewie off of Seattle, like, Laney would be in the discussion. Tina Charles would be far and away, like, your leader, probably. But that, that's just not, like, it's not wrong to look at MVP that way. It's just not how I personally look at it. And to your point, maybe th- things would be a lot clearer if we just did away with the terminology and it just became, who's the player of the season? Like who defined this season in WMB basketball? The guys over at first take would be pissed because like, 
They're <laughs> like, okay. if, if it were them, they would call it like who gets the legacy award of the season or something like that. And they would have a literal throne, like a throne for the player to sit on and then be like, who's going to dethrone them next year? Is it going to be Dak Prescott? Like, they I don't would know. What actually, they would actually give away a, a goat. <laughs> See, that would be cool. That'd be like, highly actually, questionable. that would be super fun. <laughs> So that was quite a discussion on MVP, and we went really long on that. It's, that's the biggest one. That's, it's because it's you started with the biggest one. That's true. That's true. That is that's that's fair. We uh, and and honestly, this is this is this is the one that has had the most. That's the one that has had the most discussion across like WNBA chatter, like this whole season. Like everybody from the fr- like literally, we were like one week into the season, and people are like, "Ben Nigelani's the MVP this season," and it was like we've played three games. Like you everybody, chill. chill out a little bit. <laughs> so, and again, Ben Nigel's fantastic All Star, but not in the race for MVP at this point. Um, let's move ahead and, uh, and get into the rookie of the year. I feel like this is probably going to be a shorter discussion. No, um, I'm going to fight you on every one of these. It's going to so, be an extremely, I, for me, it's going to be an extremely short discussion, but yeah, let's do this. Um, I'm ready. Let's go to Steve. Who's your rookie of the year at this point? It's Michaela on It's, I don't even think it's a discussion at this point. She's seemingly the main rookie right now who has shown the most impact to her roster, a New York team that still is holding on to dear life at a playoff berth. And she is a key impact. Now has the conversation got a little interesting toward the end of this first half? Yeah. Cause we saw a little bit more of uh, Dijana Carrington than we've seen in the past. Dee Dee Richards has shown a lot of promise. Chelsea Dungy has gotten some moments here and there where she hadn't really seen anything toward the year, but right now, I mean, even you could add the Collier discussion, um, but it's like there's so many players that are like, it's almost frustrating because this might be a different discussion if other teams were just a little more excited to give their players some time say, on the yeah. court. If, if, if Ari McDonald, if Ari McDonald had Andy's minutes, this might be well, a very different discussion. With, because for the minute Carter Donald playing, she's playing really well. Yeah. Maybe without Kennedy so, yeah, Carter, yeah, maybe totally she gets, change. Exactly. You know, her minutes load may totally change in the second half of the season. And this is like a brand new discussion and that's intriguing, but it's yeah, like if you add 10 minutes to her load, does this totally change? Because for what she's playing 13 minutes a game, she looks great. She's close to my pick, but right now, like onion way is a key factor to whether or not the Liberty are going to make the playoffs right now. Yep. And to me, yeah. there's just no other discussion, but I, I, I hope there's someone here that has a different name because I'm really excited to hear what their take is. <laughs> I, I, is I, I feel bad for this rookie class. I don't <laughs> necessarily <laughs> feel, because I I think from the uh, from the season we were like we don't know what we're getting out of this rookie class. There was no like far and away like star people thought oh like Charlie but like the number one and number two picks are getting a whole lot of did not played. Like did not play like statistics and onion Wede is went to a team that valued her automatically put her into the lineup. And all of a sudden we're seeing some really good production. Um, and yeah. so that's, that's why I also I just had to call Onyenwede myself as... really hard. <laughs> okay. Oh, play your freaking players. Dallas. <laughs> anyway. So that's, that's who I've got it's as similar well. Similar to someone who joined us for dinner in Vegas. 
I'm about to have that same rant. <laughs> Play your players. Uh, so my mine's short and sweet. It's it's also onion wede. And so Logan, where are you yeah. at? It, it's Michaela, uh, right. and and it's it's not just because of the volume. She's actually having a season on par with some of the players that are in the the, the most improved discussion, which we're going to have in a little bit. Like yeah. her her minutes and production and the poise that she's shown on the court as a rookie has her at least two seasons ahead of a lot of really good players in the league who are developing and blossoming now. So I'm excited for the Liberty's future, and she's a big part of that. Okay, Jason, are we going to vary at all, or are, you, are we going chalk on this one? We're going chalk. Uh, I don't know how I could make a, an argument for anyone else at this point in the season. That said, to, to kind of echo some of what Steve said, if you change the minutes for McDonald or Collier, I, I think that there's a chance that they get into that discussion. But where we stand right now, it's on Yenuere. Okay. Solid. That was, that was pretty quick. And honestly, I, I kind of figured that's where we would go with that. That doesn't surprise me in particular. It'll take a pretty, a pretty strong effort from someone to dethrone at this point in the season. It's not, it's not out of the realm of possibilities because it's not, this isn't like a, an Asia Wilson rookie season that it was like, okay, like just after like a quarter of the way through the season, we were like, just give her the award. Um, like it's, she's not that dominant, but she's really solid and someone would have to do something pretty special second half of the season to, to knock, uh, Onion Wede off of the, off of the rookie of the year. She owns the eye test right now. Like she is, she is fully confident as a key contributor for the Liberty right now. She knows her role and I'm hoping that there are going to be a handful of players who pick up some confidence and we see that gap close a little bit because it's, yeah. I still think it's pretty wide open. And to, to Logan's point, like the dream are going to have to fix up their lineup a little bit. Dallas is probably going to have to do the same. There are a couple of teams that are going to need to start working some things in. I would expect to see a get, try to get some more load in. Um, I would hope Gondrasic would actually like get any time. Uh, you know, <laughs> if so it's, you know, there's a lot that's still up in the air. It's a, it's an ex- it should be an exciting time, and I, I hope it pays off. Uh, let's move into Coach of the Year. I feel like there could be several arguments for this one. This is another one that I, I went back and forth with a couple names um, at this point in the season. I do think that um, I, I this one in particular, I actually do have a different prediction than who I would give the award today. Um, which is, I think that that's the only one that I had where my prediction is going to be different than who I would give it today. So, um, with that in mind, Steve, who is your coach of the year at this point? Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I did not, uh, let's, let's actually talk, look at, yeah. So preseason predictions, I, I, let me run through those real quick for rookie as well. Um, Steve had Kaiser Gondrizic. Uh, I had, Mika- uh, I had Michaela Onionwede, Logan had Ooh. Charlie Collier, and Jason oh. had Shyla Heal. Oh. Um, which, mm. unfortunately, she's not in the league anymore. But, I don't blame, uh, I don't blame any of us for the record. No, the, I think, I, so I blame cruel, all man. of those respective teams. I th- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, isn't that crazy? Like, I think that all four of those were really solid picks. And yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy to see that we had two, we've got the number one overall pick and another first rounder that one's out of the league completely and the other one's not seeing any time at all. Um, so for coach of the year, 
Steve had Sandy Brandello. I had Walt Hopkins. Logan also had Walt Hopkins and Jason had James Wade. So there we are. That was our, our preseason coach of the year picks. Uh, yeah. So Steve, have you, uh, have you changed your tune? Where, uh, where do you sit with coach of the year right now? I don't have Sandy Brondello, but I do have Walt Hopkins. Um, okay. I Woo! predicted that the Liberty, <laughs> I predicted the Liberty to finish, I think, 12th again, maybe 11th the best this upcoming season. Um, they're currently sitting sixth. I think this team desperately needed this month off and they desperately needed this month off where they really haven't had to give up too many players to this Olympic break. And so I think it really helps them to freshen their muscles because if, if you can have a month to, to give Sabrina to clear her mind and let's get, uh, Natasha Howard getting some minutes. There's a lot that can really benefit the Liberty there. Um, but let's also not forget, like Walt Hopkins picked up his new incoming star player. Natasha Howard hasn't really had her and has still kept this team and also has seen his other potential star in Sabrina Ionescu be in some cases, a lot of people would say underperforming and they're still very much in the playoff hunt. And, and if they end up around where they sit now, it's a really hard discussion to give it to anyone else. But Walt at this point to me, I like that pick a lot. I think, I think Walt is, is definitely in the discussion um, right now. Uh, I've got two names in particular, um, but I'm going to go with who I would give it to at this point in the season right now. Um, and this might surprise a couple people. I'm actually going to go with Kurt Miller um, because I think that she, like Connecticut has come out and really put a lot of people on notice. I think that um, I officially would consider them a contender for uh, for the finals and, and for the championship this year. And not a lot of people uh, were looking that way. A lot of people said, okay, Vegas, we were here in Chicago. We were hearing uh, Seattle still. We were hearing a lot of that. Um, we weren't hearing a lot about Connecticut and, and Kurt has done a phenomenal job yet again. Um, you know, quote unquote overperforming from low expectations. And so that's why I have, I will add this caveat and I'm not going to reveal this name, but that is not who I predict will actually win it by the end of the year. But if the season ended today at third place and, and looking pretty solid, I would give it to Kurt Miller. So there's my. I pick. like the pick. I, you know what? In case someone else picks Kurt, I'm going to hold off on what I'm about to say. I get, I get Walt and I get Kurt both, and they both cross my mind, and neither of them are who I picked. <laughs> so I think they're good picks. Whew. I okay. You guys are my friends, and I'm still like really nervous for this. You guys might really hate this. Um, I think the coach who has had the biggest impact on the direction of the team's season is Cheryl Reeve. Um, the way the Lynx have been playing in their last seven or eight games is completely different than the team that started the season and has me thinking that they have an outside shot at contending. And that is a lot on the coaching. I know they got Nafisa Collier back about four or five games into the season. They didn't have her at the start. They started really bad. And in order to win coach of the year, you probably shouldn't start out crappy just to like look like you turn the team around later. But because of how... She, I don't know, just from what we've picked up on how she's interacted with her team and how she's interacted with the media and how frustrated she was with the team defensively at the beginning of the year versus how they look now, I think coaching adjustments have made a bigger difference in Minnesota's locker room than anywhere else in the league. 
And now they look like a team that is really scary. They have two wins against Vegas in the last seven. They've won seven in a row. They're eight of their last 10. Um, and I'm more scared of them at this point than I am of James Wade in the Chicago sky, which is not something that I thought I was going to say 20 games ago at the start of the season. So I'm really impressed by her job in Minnesota this year. And I totally understand if you guys hate that pick because that's not how coach of the year is determined ever. No, so. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a good pick, Logan. I, I, that was, that was another name that I had like pretty high on my list. So far, like honestly, my top three picks were the three that have been mentioned so far. Oh, good. So I, I, I feel okay. <laughs> my Reeve, my Reeve thought is similar to my Kurt Miller thought, which is I just have a hard time awarding them for getting their team to pretty much where they are every year. Uh, like Minnesota's had a bit of a bump up, but like Connecticut, this is like the exact discussion we're having about the sun this time every season. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. that's why like you give it to him now, but you probably don't give it to him at the end of the season because exactly that, that's we my almost exact know how this, yeah. we almost know how the book ends. If, if, if Walt Hopkins keeps New York around 500 for the rest of the season, I feel like that case just grows stronger and stronger. I called Walt Hopkins, and as I think about it, I actually don't think that's who it's going to go to either. So once once we're through all these predictions, uh, all these takes, I'm interested to hear your Kyle has. I wonder if it's the same as mine, but I'm excited to hear who Jason has as well. All right, Jason, let's hear where you're at. Yeah, so I was waffling between two, um, and uh, I think I'm actually going to end up. I think the cynical side's going to win out of me, out on me, because I think that generally the way this has been chosen, <laughs> cynical Jason's my favorite, it, it Jason. Um, <laughs> But I, I think just just like you know, sorting by points has has a lot to do with MVP. I think compared to preseason expectations, has a lot on coach of the year. So you just look at who is so much higher than they were expected to go. And for that reason, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna err towards Walt Hopkins because I think that the biggest difference between what was expected and what was achieved is is Walt Hopkins. That being said, I think the best coaching has come out of Minnesota, and so that's why I was waffling with Cheryl Reeve because I actually agree with Logan. I think the best. In-season coaching adjustments, fixing up your team so that you take a team that looked not competitive and you make them very competitive. Um, I think that Cheryl Reeve might be my personal pick, but my cynical pick, which is the, my official one, is uh, <laughs> is going with uh, wins above expectation. That's going to be with Walt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's, I, and that, a lot of times that's how the voting is based on. For sure. That's understandable. So, Steve, you mentioned that you had a different maybe prediction than who, that, so you would give it to Walt right now, but you had a pre- different prediction for the end of the season. I'm curious where you were going to go with that. When I, when I said Walt out loud, I felt like that would be the case. Like by the end of the year, I think it would be the case. Now, you, you made the comment that your selection probably wouldn't be who will end up by the end of the season. So I just did some like sifting. I think it's going to be Noel Quinn. Yes, that was my um, pick. Yeah. That was my pick. Yeah. We were on the yeah. same page. I think it's going to be no Quinn. If if Seattle is absolutely in concrete, the number one seed at the end of this season. Yeah. And she became, by the way, not only the interim head coach uh, upon um, this decision, but immediately became the permanent head coach, has had the immediate emotional backing of every single member of that team, has very well out coached her way into out of some close wins. You can go and watch some of the close wins she's gotten her team out of. She has done like an insane job. Like one of those just like you wouldn't realize that she's only a couple years separated from being a player. Like you would think she has a decade of coaching experience. Yep. And so 
if they are very much the top seed coming into the playoffs, to me, it's kind of undeniable. That's that's who I think is going to end up with. I think Noel Quinn is a fantastic pick because for all of those reasons that you talked about before, as well as everybody, myself included, I dropped Seattle, I think, to like fourth maybe fifth in my preseason rankings for where my expectations were for them. And if you took a team and said, Hey, you're going to lose two of your starters, uh, you know, your two defensive anchors and your first player off the bench. Who's a, an absolute sniper from behind the arc. And you're going to lose your coach. Do you think you can stay in first place? I would have said no to all of, I would, there's no way I would, I would keep a team in first place, but yet, not just the the quote unquote big three there in Seattle, but I think Coach Quinn has been a huge part um, of why they're still number one. So yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned Coach Quinn because that was going to be my other call out uh, for that potential award. Yeah, because so, I, I still feel good about calling Walt, but as soon as it hit me, I went like, mm, I said the wrong, I might have said the wrong name, and I just if they're the top seed to me, it's that's a great pick. But I don't know. Uh, if if I can. If I can, just for a, an honorable mention on this award, yeah. um, I know that sitting at number nine, kind of on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, they're not going to get coach of the year. But instead of measuring wins over expectation, if you measure fun over expectation, Vicky Johnson and the Wings are having a lot more fun than anybody thought they should have. And you know, and you know what? We damn well should measure fun over expectation. Like, that should be a standard. Like, fun that, over should, that should be a stat. That's the only heavy analytics stat I would argue. If I'm getting in Skip Bayless's face every morning with fun over expectation, that stat implies uh, it implies the existence of a fun beneath expectation, and <laughs> which which I, the first half of the should, the first part of the season Chicago was very well. Chicago, yeah. <laughs> hey now, um. Honestly, there's a there's a discussion I had with Logan earlier today when there was a report that came out that Oklahoma and Texas want to join the SEC. And my honest opinion on how that would affect the world of college sports pretty much ties directly to fun over expectation. It's just like, great, now we can all ignore the SEC and just watch all the fun teams play. And yeah, fun conferences. Um, yeah. It's like fun over expectations. It's my that's my new favorite. That's that's my new shirt. We need that shirt. Fun over fun over expectation. Love it. Uh, I need to draw a mid season matrix. Like I did a week one matrix. Like I, I need to re regraph all the teams on the on the fun versus just like well. the matrix and like are they good? Are they are they good or bad? Are fun they dull or, or not fun, fun as yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just like are they fun as <laughs> Let's move into our defensive player of the, of the year, uh, discussion here. Um, real quick, let's run through where we were, uh, at the beginning of the season. Defensive player of the year. Here's who we had. Um, Steve had Asia Wilson. I had Brianna Turner, Brianna Turner. Logan had Nafisa Collier and Jason also had Nafisa Collier. Um, so that's where we were at the beginning of the season. Curious to see where the each of the four of us have ended up at this point. Steve, as per usual, we'll start with you. Who's your defensive player of the year at this moment? This is like, I never know how to do this award. I never get it correct. I'm always confused that like, what are they factoring? Because I look at all the numbers and I watch games and I see who's good defensively. But I'll do this. To the previous discussions point on coach of the year, we had a lot of people talking Cheryl Reeve 
Um, I really think I really love seeing Sylvia Fowles play big on a defensive end. She is leading the league in defensive win shares. I'm going to go with Syl right now. Yeah. That's as far as I'm going to take it. Good pick. Griner, Griner is having one of her best defensive seasons in a few years. Uh, in a, you know, in a good while. Stewie's really high in defensive win shares, so you could have that discussion. Dewana Bonner's playing really well. Like you had the Brianna Jones discussion. Like there's so many great defensive players right now. And I just think right now, what, like if I'm not going to give Minnesota's credit in that, cause like the one point that I can make that Logan said that I went, yeah, that's true, is they're like, they're hella scary right now. Like they look like such a hard team to beat. And so much of it is their defensive prowess and still is the centrifuge of that. So I'll, mm. I'll do that for now. I, uh, I like that pick a lot, Steve, so much so that, uh, not only is Sylvia Fowles leading the league in defensive win shares, she's second in the league, just barely point one behind Brittany Griner. She's second in the league in blocks and second in the league in steals. There's nobody else in the top five of those two categories that cross over. She's, she's, how did yeah. I not notice that with steals? Yes. Well, if steals, I noticed that, she's I would not second have in the league with waffly about steals. This. Yeah, she's she's playing an absolutely insane defensive season. She's absolutely she she's playing phenomenal phenomenal defense. I actually think um that if it, if it wasn't so obvious to me right now that it was Sylvia Fowles, there's like if I go to my next tier, it's like it's packed. Like if I were to pick who was going to come in second in voting, it's it's insane. It's insane right now. But right yeah. now like she's second in blocks, second in steals, third in rebounds, and number one in defensive win shares. I, uh, to me, everything points to Sylvia Fowles. Sweet Sill is getting my defensive player of the year at this point. Yeah, for me, it's Fowles. This is one of the easier ones to award. Um, if if I had to rank order like three or four names, it'd be really difficult. But I think the number one is pretty clear, at least right now. Like in the mid in this midseason break, we're in. I if we were awarding the awards today, I think it has to be her. Um, all the stats that you just cited. Um, also just the eye test. Um, Steve mentioned just that they look really scary to play right now. And a lot of that is just the difference between when she is on the floor and when she isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it just, I, I know there are some other names. I, I'm kind of relieved that neither of you guys said Brittany Griner because she's actually my like number two right now. Um, but every year that we've done defensive player of the year predictions before this one, I predicted Brittany Griner because I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> and this is the first year where it really feels like, like she's, she's got sort a shot. of in yeah. contention. So, uh, and I, I also think John Quill Jones has like a fringe argument. Um, if you're not on board her MVP train, I think you can look at her defensive stuff and say, Oh, her team is holding teams to 6%, like worse shooting than. Like when she's off the floor, teams shoot 45%. When she's on the floor, they shoot like 38. And like there's this big swing. That's a Kevin Pelton stat that I read earlier. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But it just, it doesn't jump out as me as much as the year that Syl is having. Um, and I, I really want her to get credit for how well she's played in the first half of the season. So I hope that she can keep it up through the end of the year and that it's not up for debate because I think she deserves the spotlight for, for this year. Love it. Jason. I'm going to be honest with you. If I go with my original pick, we're going to be chalk. So I'm going to switch things up for the sake of entertainment value. Okay. All right. We got an um, entertainment pick here. And I think there's going to be enough voters that feel bad for not picking John Quell for MVP 
that she gets the she gets the 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 con what do you call that when you win the constellation 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 I kept thinking constellation I'm like no that's stars I know that's stars yeah she's she's gonna get the constellation prize of a defensive player of the year she is leading the league in rebounds um but some of the other defensive stats she's not there really in my heart of hearts I think it's Sylvia but for the sake of uh entertainment value and also so that if she wins it at the end of the year, I can say that I said it then, uh, you know, for that reason, <laughs> oh, I'll you, say it. Kyle, when you were reading off all the stats, did you, uh, you might've read this, but she's second in, uh, Sylvia Fowles is second in defensive rebounds as well. Like, like blocks, yeah. steals, rebounding, yeah. like across the board. She's like one or two in every category. I, yeah. I think she's three in defensive. She's third in overall rebounds. I think she's second in defensive rebounds, but I may have that. I don't have that pulled uh, up anymore. I've got, I've got John Quell at 8.7. Bree Stewart at eight point four, and then her at seven point nine. Oh, sweet! So Breeze, okay, Breeze second. Gotcha. That's yeah. I I actually really like the John Quill pick. Um, if we were going pure eye test, I actually really really like Brianna Turner. Um, she hasn't put up the stats, but if you watch, she is like she's kind of like the Alicia Clark. Like for years, Alicia never won defensive player of the year, but Alicia was always on the other team's best player and always gave the other team's best player like like made them work so hard to get their buckets. And I think that that was that's what I see with Brianna Turner right now. Um, I, I so, yeah, that's that that's. That's my eye test, but I just, there's, at this point, I really have a hard time seeing the, the stats, quote unquote, the hard stats coming across that would give enough voters, would catch enough voters' attention to, to put her at, uh, defensive player of the year. Turner might be in this discussion that I know, um, all of our Twitter friends like having, which is like the underrated, mm. like, like, like if I was a front office and I already had my Asia or my Brie or my, like my rock of my franchise, but I needed pieces around her. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for a Brianna Turner or a Dierica Hamby or an Ariel Atkins, like those players that are not yet getting like top billing, but do so much, like, like so many good things on the floor. It's hard to take them off the floor. Right. And she, like anytime you watch a game, yeah, she does stand out. Yeah. Okay. I think the honest okay. answer is, for instance, it's the fact that Brianna Turner's 17th in win shares. Honestly, what would help Brianna Turner's argument more is just Phoenix needs to win more games. Exactly. So yeah. she can have a better honestly, share Phoenix of those has wins. Yeah. So many close, it really close is games. just, it, honestly, if they won a, like three or four more games, she shoots up that list, I think. You could say and the same thing just, about. It's a weird thing, but. Griner like make an MVP bid because Griner's having a phenomenal season, but Phoenix is underperforming. This is what makes Fowles more impre- so impressive, though, is that she's her team is fourth in the standings in terms of the, the wins column, and very very clearly is the leader in win shares. Like it very much yeah. like in defensive win shares. Like it really it really speaks to how well that is. But Turner makes an interesting case. If, if a few close losses go a different direction, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what's yeah. fun about that stat. Is yeah. it the narrative it shifts? It comes real down quickly. to yeah, what team fickle. is winning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're a listener and you don't know this, like that is a stat that I, I think all four of us like consider like in fairly high regard, but it still has its flaws. It's like we, Kyle and I, I know we talked about plus minus earlier this year and kind of the problems with it. It's, it's, pretty indicative of who wins MVP every year. 
Um, it's almost always the win shares leader because it's almost always best player, best team. But for instance, right now, three of the top six win shares players in the league are all Connecticut Sun. Right. Um, because, because they're like 12 and seven. Um, so it's, it's very hard to be like a great player bringing a lot of value to your team and showing up in the win shares column if you're going like 12 and 12. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it still has its limitations, but it is, it's come up a lot in our discussion for awards today. So I just wanted to point that out. Like it, it does matter. And I think it weighs significantly in voters' minds, but it, it still has problems. All right, guys, let's move into a, a discussion that I initially earlier today without really, I actually, um, did a little research, uh, this afternoon that, um, I, I won't say necessarily changed my pick here, but definitely uh, opened my eyes to sixth woman of the year. Um, this is always an interesting one. And, and this is kind of goes back to, I know Steve had a, a take with the MVP. You should just say player of the year. Um, this is another one that I think is, is difficult because we've seen players that are averaging 30 minutes per game but didn't start exactly half of their games and come out and, and win this award. Um, and so even though they're getting starter minutes, so it's really interesting to see how, how this award gets, gets selected, but let's go ahead and review who our picks were for, uh, Oh, actually we didn't have picks for sixth, um, because we didn't like pre-picking because who was going to be starting. Cause that's really because difficult dumb. to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why. So we don't have a, we don't have a early picks for this. Um, actually neither of our, our remaining awards for sixth player of the year or most improved player, neither one of them we had preseason picks for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and start with Steve. Who do you have for sixth player of the year? Right now it feels like it's a two player race. I'm going to go one direction that I think at least one host will agree with. And I think the other two hosts probably don't agree with. This is me predicting the actual show for the next five minutes. But uh, to me, it's Marina Mabry. I think it's to, I, first of all, it's kind of annoying because she should just be starting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I actually think Dallas is in a better position as a team if she's starting. Um, but I think almost, I, I'm not going to put, um, words in Vicky Johnson or, or Greg Bibb's mouths. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if they're like, Hey, if we don't start her, she's a really good chance at six, then we could use an award to our name. They seem <laughs> to be really excited about this whole, Hey, we've got the first and second pick for the first time in history, even though we're not really going to play them much. Um, so they seem to like the, the accolade thing, stuff they can add to a social banner. And I, I think it comes down. She's she's obviously while coming off the bench has played pivotal minutes, has scored a significant. You know, obviously she you know she's scoring right now thirteen points a game, and I think that that's even skewered in a couple because she's had a few down games that skewer that a little bit. Um, and to me, the they're one they're one of the few teams that when when there's pivotal winning moment minutes in a late late in a game they don't default to the starting five. Mabry is a part of that like death lineup at the end. Mm-hmm. And she tends to be a fiddle point. Like if they're not going to Arike, they're generally going to Mabry, maybe Sobley, but very often they're going to Mabry. And I think it plays a big role there. She's been a huge emotional pulse for the team. And I really like the pick going her way. And I know the other name that's in this discussion and it totally makes sense as well. 
uh, I just I like what I've seen out of Mabry. It's been it's just been a lot of fun watching her play this year. I'm gonna actually um, just go ahead and and add on to exactly what Steve's saying and and letting everyone know that's my pick as well. Um, you kind of after the last couple of seasons just uh, just assume it's going to be Hamby. And earlier today, I was thinking Hamby because. I'll be honest, I thought Mabry had started a few more games than she has. She's only started seven of their 20, of the 21 games that have happened. So she, I thought that she had started closer to, to like 10 or 11. So I, I might not have given it to her if she had started over half of the games. And so that's where that was kind of gone in my mind. So you kind of default to Derica, who, I mean, I can't fault Dierka because she's playing for uh, for Las Vegas, who happens to have you know Cambage and Wilson starting, and she's also a big. So I I get that, but yeah, I'm I'm actually going to go with Mabry as well. Mabry's averaging 14 points per game, and that's really impressive uh, for a non-starter. So that's that I'm going with that one as well, Steve. So great pick, Logan. Where were where are you with this one? Oh, boy. Well. For reasons that you can probably infer um, based on how I'm going to answer this, I don't have Marina here. Um, so I have Derek Hamby because I think those are really the two answers you can have. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to put down repeat players for different awards. So gotcha. Um, and I think that makes Derica, sense. That makes sense. I think Derek deserves it, but it's also, it's no, no set of voters likes awarding the same award to a player three times in a row. Right. So if there's any way to not give it to the Erica Hamby, I think they might, but she is like the poster child for kind of bending what six woman of the year is supposed to be. Um, because she is just a starting caliber player that comes off the bench, but she's pretty critical to what that Vegas formula is. And it's been working for them the last couple of years and it hasn't been contention again this year for a championship. I think they're really a strong contender because of their strong bench play. So it, I don't think it's skirting around the system. I think it's using, you know, using the assets they have available to them in a smart way, but it would be deserved and a, a little, a little boring if Dierica Hamby won it for a third year in a row. Jason, curious where you are after uh, hearing each of these arguments. Are you going to, Side with one or the other, you go in a different direction. Uh, I'm going to side with Marina Mabry. Um, I, I think, I, I think Steve's onto something. I think he's 100% right when he says that there's some intentionality to keeping her as a, a bench player, um, in terms of award season. And I think a lot of it comes down to fan engagement. You know, as, as you get towards the end of the season, you see these, you know, the, the team Twitter accounts and the tw- team Instagrams are going to start pushing out all of the people that they want to try to get fans excited about for different awards. And so I think Dallas is sitting there thinking, if we run her as a starter, then we're kind of splitting our like MVP push, which I don't think either Arike or Marina has a legitimate claim towards MVP, but the team account is going to push that because they're going to want to get the yeah. hype and get fans excited. And so rather than trying to split that, if they said, hey, why don't we push Arike as an MVP candidate? and Marina as a sixth woman candidate, and let's do that intentionally. So I, I genuinely think they hold her for about three months in the first quarter and then just run her with the starting squad because that's really where they have her. I think they've just put her in that position so that at the end of the year, they can get some engagement out of it. Yeah. Just what's, so dumb. What's absolutely bonkers <laughs> about that, like specifically for Dallas, is they're on the fringes of the playoff hunt. And you yeah. know what gets fans really excited more than award season? Wins. Making the playoffs. 
which you never know. Like those, those couple minutes where she's not on the floor and you're a little bit worse of a team, you don't like, maybe you get off to a worse start and you're playing from behind the whole game. And it's Dallas at one point in this season has looked like the hardest L in the league. They're one of the hardest teams to put away when they're playing correctly. And exactly what Logan said is correct. If you establish that starting five correctly with Mabry in the mix, I think that there are a few more comfortable wins. And we're looking at a potential top six team in Dallas. And now they're yet again fringe playoffs. And it's like this was the fringe playoff team that Liz left and the fringe playoff team that Skyler left. And perhaps it's time to stop being the fringe playoff team that players want to leave. Maybe. Yeah set up a roster that teams want to play for. That gets turned to a bigger existential discussion yeah. for the Wings yeah. than I want to, but it, it's very frustrating. Like, congrats if you get the award, Marina, but, like, I wish you were eligible for it because that's how well you played. <laughs> yeah. You should have been an all-star, and you should be starting. Like, I just – anyway, that's me. Love it. That's a, those are great picks. And, uh, I'm glad that Steve picked up on that Marina Mabry and, and I'm glad that you agreed there, Jason. Um, I understand Logan's reasoning because I know where I I'm obviously inferring where Logan has, uh, another, where Logan's going with another pick here. And so, um, so I get that reasoning, but yeah, for a lot, for a lot of the season, I just was like, well, Derica never starts. Derica is, is huge, but Derica is only averaging 11 points per game and maybe he's got 14. And so I know there's more stats out there, but that's significant. That's significant when you're talking awards. The, the the pie is a little bit more spread around in Vegas in terms of scoring. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but that, you know, I did look at that and I, they definitely are having comparable seasons and considering Dierica plays on a team where yes, other, other players and teammates of her score more, but they also take a lot of pressure off of her right. versus when, when Marina's out there, she's kind of other than Enrique, she's your, your biggest concern, especially from the perimeter. Yeah, for um, sure. I, I totally get the argument. I'm a big Marina fan. <laughs> let's, I don't, I don't want to act like I'm not. <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, and let's move into our most improved player of the year. And this is going to be this is going to be a fun one. I think that this is for me where I think the feel good. This is the feel good award where I always look at and just go, you know what? I'm like whoever's in the running with this. I'm just excited for. Right. Like Bet Nigel last year. And like there was like I love watching this award come down to the last couple of weeks because it's like these are players who have stepped up and like improved, whether they're in a new situation, a new system, or they just have put in a lot of work and developed. So this is this is a, an award that I really look forward to every season. And it's almost impossible to predict preseason. So we don't have any of those, but Steve, I'm curious if the season ended today, who's your most improved player? So just to get out of the way, I hate this award. Like I have the hardest time. Not that I dislike a most improved award. I have such difficulty with this award because it's, it's hard so to hard yeah. to metric around it. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 I, I even said to you guys earlier, a part of me wishes we could just mold the sixth player and the most improved award and just have like the breakout player of the year award. Because really yeah. what those awards come down is like, who surprised us? Right. And that's a fun narrative to give an award to. I love it. But it's that same idea of like, I've had a hard time coming to grips with it. I sincerely thought about, do we just give it to Bet Nigelani again? Like, uh, you know, like, because because I think there's a weird argument there. So I had to do like a measurable. 
and be like, I'm going to pick one stat and I'm just going to go with it. And then I'm going to look and see if it's justified in the team stat book. So I went to win shares. This is boring for people to listen to the show because they hear us bring up win shares a lot. And I went, who's the name on the list that of the top 20 in win shares that surprised me the most that I went, huh? (laughs) And then I'm going to look at their team stats and go, does it fit? And that's why I think that the most improved player of the year so far is Ruthie Hebert. All right. Okay. Okay. She's yeah. 20th in win shares. She's second in blocks, third in rebounds. She's nearly a double digit scorer. Uh, you know, compared to the level of share that she got over the previous season, I think she, I've, I've loved watching her become a much more consistent and reliable piece. Now, has that shifted a bit since Candace Parker's been a more regular part of the roster? Yes. But I think she's played enough that there's a confidence level for her that as these games start to get closer, she's still going to find a way in to be a more confident player. Like I, I like the Chicago lineup with the, with the Ruthie Candace pairing much more than the Candace Dolson pairing right now. I yep. think it flows better. Um, and so I, I looked at that statistically. I double checked on it and I feel good about it after saying that. Last. <laughs> That's I always remember how excited James Wade was when they drafted her because they felt like they got a, a number yeah. one overall pick. Like, and, and yeah. they, they use her that way. It, it's, by the way, I mentioned this stat earlier, but I didn't mention who the player was. Ruthie is the only player besides John Quill Jones to be in the top 10 in offensive and defensive rating. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I like that. It's her. Her uh, her presence has has really been felt. Like you've, there's a confidence level there with her. It's been pretty cool. It's been so fun watching. Like obviously seeing Sabrina succeed is something we all co-sign, but seeing the rest of that Oregon crew succeed has been super fun. Yeah. Also, um, we saw her. She walked by us and she, we waved at her in Vegas. Ruthie Hebert Pod. Yeah, she's super <laughs> super cool. So I uh, so I have two players that I was going back and forth on this one. Um, really, really heavily. And it, uh, at this point, it's, it's difficult to pick one of the two for me. Um, and so it, this literally came down to one of these teams. I was awarding other, several other awards. And so I'm going to give the other team some love here and I'm going to go with Sammy Whitcomb. Okay. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That's really good. Sam- it, it, oh, it might be Sammy's the win, huh? Sammy's Sammy's is doing really well. There's another player. I'm curious to see if if Logan or Jason have this other player that I that I'll probably give a, a shout out if if we don't get to because um because I I think deserves probably a shout out here. I I if I were to award the the award today, I would give it to Sammy Whitcomb. Um, she went uh she didn't start a game last season. Her minutes have increased by fifty percent. Um, her points, she's averaging, you know, four more points per game. Every, pretty much every statistical category, um, has had a dramatic increase. And I think she's a huge reason as to why New York is doing as well as they are. Because, you know, if you were to say that, uh, Natasha Howard was going to be out and Yonescu was going to be battling injuries, I was still, I would have had New York right at the bottom and here they are right mid tier. And I think Sam Bam's a huge reason why. So Whitcomb's my pick here. Uh, Logan, curious, curious where you went with okay. this one. Uh, like Kyle, I have a couple tabs pulled up. In fact, I think Kyle and I both have a tab pulled up for a player that we're both like, if nobody brings her up, we'll talk about it after. <laughs> uh, I have a pretty strong 
strong reasoning as to why I'm not picking that player. I'm sorry to be so mysterious about it, but I don't want to ruin anything if it's Jason's pick. So, um, so I actually have three tabs pulled up. One of them is that one of them is Sammy and one of them is should have been all star most improved player Marina Mabry, (laughs) who you just heard all about in our last segment, um, from six women of the year. She has, I think been the, the most obvious, like if, if you just go by eye test and watching the games this season and you ask, like Steve said, like, who's your breakout player of the year? It, to me, it's just an obvious, like Marina Mabry, like, like she's always been fine, but this year she's not just good. She's like moving the team towards winning. Like, like when she is on the floor, obviously a better team. And that's not to say that that's not true for some other players, but I, I did run some numbers for Sammy Whitcomb. I, a lot of her improvement is just coming from being on the floor more. The volume, like, like the efficiency has actually gone down a little bit. Like the, the volume has helped her stats, but she's actually, she's not having as big of a leap as I thought. Um, Marina Mabry legitimately has, has jumped in every category, no matter how you, how you kind of dice it up. And so I, I wanted to give her the edge, but I don't want to act like it was a clear win. Um, because I did, I, I considered Sammy for, for quite a bit. Um, especially, um, there is a stat that I wanted to throw out for you, Kyle. Sammy Whitcomb is shooting almost 49% mm-hmm. this year. Um, her next best year was last season, 44. Yeah, so she's, she just took a huge step her, forward in terms of her true shooting percentage. Her true, true shooting percentage is number one in the league. Like that's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. So that's, that's nice to have. And that's, and she plays on a fun team where she can have a, a big impact. Right, but right, right. I really like Mabry this year. I legitimately, like I, I think she was either the last one in my All Star ballot or the first one out. But you only got to vote for ten, and there was twelve All Star spots. So I thought she was going to get in, and I was kind of heartbroken that she didn't get in. Um, so I hope that her her hat is in the ring for either Six Woman or Most Improved because I really think she deserves a light shine on her this year. You know how much I love the the year three breakout. This is classic year three. Classic year three. (laughs) So either Dallas is either going to have to commit to making her a foundational piece or she's going to go somewhere more interesting that knows how to use her better. And she'll just continue to get better from there. I think what's interesting is she actually had a really solid season last year in in L.A., but you you didn't really quite know it. Like it didn't quite stand out. Something that really stands out is not only the stats for Marina. It's how loud they are. It's how loud the game has been. And I don't mean she's loud as a, like, I mean, it just, it, it, what you said is it's, it's insane how much it's resonating and you can see that confidence on the court that like, it's, it's that Subert element of like Subert's not always yeah. a shoot first player, but you, you just need to see her on the court for two seconds to know like that's a bucket. Yeah. This is such a, <laughs> this is a very arbitrary metric that I just thought of, but you saying that just made me think. Who's a player last year that I never would have trusted with like the last shot in a game that this year I would absolutely trust with the last shot in the game. <laughs> and for me that like Marina and Sammy are, are one and two in that discussion because like I would, I would actually trust them both to, to take a game winner. So maybe there's something to that. I don't know. We'll have to melt yeah. that down to something statistical. <laughs> Jason curious where you went with your uh, most improved Oh, I, I love all these statistics categories we're coming at, up with. The uh, the fun over expectation, the <laughs> the gut check. Would I let them shoot it? Um, 
So I I am going to do the tacky thing uh, that Logan said he wouldn't do. I'm going with the same player twice Ooh. in a row. I'm going with Marina Mabry. Um, and the reason why you guys you guys have kind of touched on, and um, I think she should bring home some form of hardware. I think she got uh, I, I think she got snubbed from the All Star game. So for me, it comes down to the fact that last season she played about the same number of minutes. She was getting I think about ten points per game. I don't have it pulled up right now. Um, she's now getting like 14 or 15, like she's improved there. It's, it's a big improvement on about the same minutes, but the difference is, is those 10 points were a quiet 10 points. And like, Kyle, if you remember when we went to that Dallas game, Mm -hmm. when she got the two, four point plays in a row, the impact she had on the entire stadium and she's taking the shots at the end of the game. I honestly, if I was, if I was coach, I'd be drawing the play up to go to her, not to Arike. Um, I, I, I think that she has improved in terms of her role on the team and what she's doing for a team so much more than she did last season. Last season, she was good. Um, uh, but, but this season, I think she's really stepped into great. So I'm, I'm going with Marina Mabry again. I like it. It's, uh, after, after watching, uh, Dallas in person and then going to the all-star game, uh, and seeing Agumbawale and Mabry, like, I am really excited about Dallas's future. Um, I think that Mabry's a huge part of that. And I think they've got a couple other key pieces as well, but I love, I love those picks. Um, Logan, I'm curious to see if you have a player pulled up here that is the same as my player. I know you and I both have an honorable mention here. Um, and this is, this was really tough for me to leave this player off and they were not selected by any of us. And I'm curious to see if you had the same one or if you've got well, somebody else. It's not my honorable mention even because I think she broke out in the bubble and nobody noticed. Okay. Let's hear because it. Because her, her leap wasn't this year. It was last year. And that's Brianna Jones. Yes. Yep. That's who yeah. I had. So, so she absolutely was a most improved candidate between 2019 and 2020, where she went from being eight minutes a game, three points a game to suddenly like, I'm a piece of this Connecticut Sun team. And I think she's really benefiting the most from the sun winning games this year, because she's a part of that. And I think previously people just didn't cause like it was more Turner Jones, like Dewana Bonner, like you kind of wasn't kind of in that loop. You kind of almost forget about the bubble season and in your brain, you kind of almost look, you almost look back to 2019 Jones, you know, and, and you're thinking she's, she's at 15 points per game this season. You know, she's, she went from three and a half, two years ago to 15. Now, like she's getting major usage and is a huge part in Connecticut success, but you're right. The leap was last year. That's why I went with Whitcomb. Um, is that, that was the determining factor is I had both of those pulled up and I went back and forth, but, it's exactly what you just said is the leap was actually the year prior. Yeah. And she played 26 minutes a game last year, which is not insignificant. So if you, if you just, instead of going by averages, if you go by per 36, her numbers this year are less like less than a bucket per game Mm -hmm. better than last year. Like she's as effective as last year after she made a really big leap forward. So like, I don't, I'm not trying to poo poo on Brianna Jones fans. She's a really good player. It's just if you gave her the most improved this season, it'd be like, oh, she's only like a point and a half better than last season. Like that's not that big of a, a difference. You know who else who else fits this exact same mold that I also hear in this discussion? Like the exact same story happens is Jackie Young. Jackie Young 
struggled in 2019, but made a jump last year and made a slightly smaller jump this year. So it's, she's, I think that people are talking about her as well, but they just kind of forget 2020 happened. She had a good jump there. So Steve, what were you? I, you, I could tell you had something there. Gosh, I just, I just love when an adult says that something got poo pooed. <laughs> I just love that. That's, I love that. That's like a very common, like business term. I've had executive vice presidents at my company look at me and say that they're, they've got to poo poo that initiative, like in corporate <laughs> meetings. And it amazes me whenever I hear an adult say it. It's just amazing. I don't know why. So I just, it killed me. I don't know why, I even, especially I because sure we've had a discussion about that. No, really, like we had a discussion about that exact term recently, uh, but it was just like, I, it's just always funny to me when like in a very professional or like media based setting, just be like, <laughs> well, well, that's going to get poo pooed. Like, <laughs> like instead of being like, oh, we rejected that idea or like, we're going to go another direction. <laughs> like we're going to have to poo poo that. Um, you imagine like, just, submitting like a, that sounds, a resume and an application and getting an email back that was like, like at this time, we're gonna have to poo-poo your application. <laughs> to poo-poo, we're gonna have to poo-poo your application. I would respect that company with the fullest extent, and then I just turn around and apply again. <laughs> yeah, I'd write them back and be like, please, please, please I do whatever me. it takes. <laughs> well, guys, that wraps up our our picks. Um, if uh, we we consider doing some extra extra uh, deals, but we've gone very long, and we have a pretty it's solid pretty break. Uh, ahead of us that maybe we'll hop on and do some, some other fun picks. So if you have, I, I know I've got a topic written down, but I don't want to, uh, I, I think it would be best served to do an, an additional episode on these because the, the more I'm thinking about my topic and perhaps what some of you guys had, I, I, I think I want to make that a, its own episode at this, at this juncture. But man, what an, Absolutely. Yeah, Kyle, why don't, why don't we, why don't we poo poo that for now? Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and poo poo uh, that idea. That's how it- <laughs> So let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, those are our official mid year, uh, award selections. Where did we get it wrong and come at us on Twitter? That's fine. We, uh, we, we, we like to, we can, we can handle the heat. We can handle the heat. Uh, we'll, we'll defend ourselves on Twitter, but we can handle the heat. You can, uh, you can find us if you want to just tweet our show at WNBA nation pod. That's going to be the best place to get a response from us. Um, and also to that, if you're like a first comment on Twitter and you're worried, like, oh, I feel weird being like the only one making this kind of comment. Like our Twitch fam has no problem making it sting. Yeah. And it's great. Like they're, <laughs> the they're willing to come out with brutal. their thoughts. And so, so, so we're, we're very much ready to, to hear your thoughts. So if you're worried about it, know like that, like the response, like the, the, the train has already hit station. We, so don't worry. We won't feel like take you got, it like you're the only one. Co- go for it. Yeah. We, we won't take it personal. We'll, we know that y'all are fans and we're fans too. This is just how we happen to see it and we're probably, we might see it differently. That's fine. In, in fact, we know we're going to see it differently from you because all four of us had varying picks across the board on, on all of these. There was only, uh, only one actually. Well, we, there would have been two, but Jason went fun. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, there, there was only one technically, uh, award, one technical award that we actually, <laughs> that we went uh, chalk across the board and that was rookie of the year. So, so hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think about our picks. Um, we won't take it personally. We'll just, uh, we'll just have a little fun dialogue with you. I'll take it super personal. Logan will actually, <laughs> unless you, if you disagree with Logan, don't just, just DM oh. us, DM us. So he's going to get up. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to get up on Twitter. 
He's going to get up on Twitter and he's going to poo-poo your tape. He's just going <laughs> to come right at it. Guys, it has been an absolute blast. Um, thank you all for listening. We we absolutely love doing the show and it's because of each and every one of you. Um, well, to be fair, we'd probably still do this show if we didn't get a lot of listeners, but we do and it makes it even more fun. So uh, we appreciate you uh, hopping in and, and being a part of what we do here. Um, if you have any feedback, if you, uh, have anything that, uh, you want to chat about, if you have ideas of things that you'd like us to cover during this Olympic break, we're open to those. We've got a, a long laundry list of things that we'd like to do, but we're always down for some, uh, from some listener feedback. So go ahead and hit us up with those ideas. And we got a lot to cover when it comes to the Olympics as well. Like we'll be up here talking about how the, uh, the women's team USA, how the three on three teams are going to be performing, um, we, I, I'm going to say right now, I don't know that there's going to be much live streaming right? or like, uh, like live, uh, watch and react because games are on at like 4am our time. <laughs> and just to be straight, like it's not happening. Like just, I'll just try to avoid spoilers there, but we're definitely going to have some reactions, but I do have to say really quick, I had meant to get this in earlier when we were talking a little bit Olympics. Uh, but obviously like our best wishes to Katie Lou. Yes. Uh, that mm-hmm. super, super, that news super sucked. Um, for that sure. she's not going to be able to play for the three on three team. It's also going to be a huge impact to a three on three team. If you've ever participated or played or watched any three on three basketball, you'll know that team dynamic is like paramount with, th- with the three on three setup. And so this actually could affect team USA's success pretty heavily. Uh, it's cause it's, it's a brand new avenue for Olympic sports like this, this, this could affect them pretty heavily and it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how they fare with this change. And it just really sucks because obviously Katie Lou is a huge centrifuge chat. She actually was weirdly the lifeline between all of the teammates because she's played with all of those teammates. And so it just really stinks. Uh, and so just best wishes, of course, on that. Also a definitely a good thing. Katie Lou Samuelson was fully vaccinated. So if you think that being vaccinated means you're completely out of the woods in terms of taking safe precautions, if you think you shouldn't be vaccinated because other people are getting vaccinated, there's still way too much time left for big mistakes. Utah just hit the state of Utah where many of us live just hit a, like hit a daily record um, today with new cases that we haven't seen in a very long time. Um, so continue to be smart and be safe. And yeah. That's just all. I, I just thought I'd throw that out. That no. yeah, that news, like, yeah. I, did that come in this morning or yesterday? And it was just yeah. crushing. It was really sucked to hear. It was. I, I know how bothered uh, about the Shikari news that Steve was. I feel like that's how the Katie Lou news hit me. I was ready for like the world to know their name and three on three basketball to be like everyone's new favorite event. And it was like such a bummer. Absolutely. So. It still will be. It just like she was such a key player on that team, and yeah. it really sucks. She's not going to have that opportunity. Yeah. And best of luck this to Jackie this year Young. Kind of stinks. Best of luck to Jackie Young, who's coming in yeah. as her replacement. Looking forward to seeing great pickup. What, yeah. what Jackie can do out there. Obviously, feel terrible for Katie Lou. Um, and best wishes to all of the three on three and and to everybody in the Olympics. I just hope that we can come out of this uh, with I, without I will much say, uh, terrible news. I just felt like. If a team had to back out at the last minute, there's is this weird part of me that's like, why don't the Ogumake sisters and Elizabeth Williams just be Nigeria's three on three team <laughs> and, <laughs> and play that way? Now, don't don't misunderstand. I would absolutely get Jackie Young merch if it becomes like a phenomena. Like if if people get hyped for three on three and she's like carrying us to a gold, 
I will absolutely overreact to that scenario. <laughs> and it would be even more fun if Team Nigeria was three like prominent WNBA players. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it would be something interesting. It's a real ringer situation. I think, if anything, Kelsey Plum is going to become a like a full-on household name because of three-on-three. I firmly yeah. believe there's something to Kelsey Plum that's going to be. But, like, Jackie Young, if you have to believe Katie Lou, who is such a huge part of that crew, and um, I think Jackie Young is a great pickup. But I think the other thing, too, is that Alicia Gray is balled out phenomenally. If you haven't checked out at least highlights of the, the three-on-three performances so far, you really should. We're due for a really fun treat. It's 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 a really fun, unique style of basketball. So should be good. Absolutely. I'm like weirdly giddy about it. <laughs> so stay tuned. We've got a lot of content coming your way all throughout this break, throughout the Olympics. Uh, we've got a, a lot planned, uh, a lot, probably a, a decent chunk of uh, we might even see an increase in episode uh, episode releases. Uh, as this as this break happens just simply because of some of the things we've got planned so we'll see how that all uh ends up uh playing out but that's all we've got for you uh for you guys tonight and uh for WNBA Nation I'm Kyle Haywood I'm Steve Schwartzman I'm Jason Snow I'm Logan Jones and we got you next time